it's crazy. What are your assumptions, right? We talk about that a lot when you're doing military planning. You have to have assumptions, and, right. and those assumptions then allow you to plan. Mm-hmm. So what are, your, what are the medical doctor's assumptions going into the discussion? Yeah. The assumption is standard American diet. Okay, if that is the assumption for medical care, then you have to have A1C-lowering drugs, cholesterol-lowering drugs. Like, you have to have all of these drugs based on that assumption. Mm. How about you change your assumption? Hey, y'all, put on your boots, grab your headphones, and let's get a little muddy. As we build a community rooted in the love of dirt roads, whether dust or mud. Welcome to the Dust or Mud podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of the Duster Mud podcast. We are very glad that you're with us on this episode. I am Shelly McGlamory. And And I'm Rich. And this is my husband, Rich. (laughs) And we, this podcast hinges around food, freedom, and farming. And we farm so that we have the freedom to grow our own food. And the last couple of episodes, we have been going down the rabbit hole of food and discussing the low-carb ketogenic lifestyle, how we got here, yeah, and what we eat was last week, and this week, what are we going to dive into this week? This week, we're going to dive way down deep into the health benefits. Okay. At least what we see is the health benefits. Okay. Yeah. We talked a little bit last week about the past couple of weeks, and we've hinted on some of the benefits that... Uh, are posited that the ketogenic slash low carb, no sugar lifestyle gives to people. And we are (laughs) in of one by two. (laughs) Well, I mean, like on the first episode, when we were talking about this, we really talked about the research that we did and the, all of the information that we were finding about health benefits, but we really didn't go into what those health benefits were. And as we were finishing up last week talking about what we eat, it, it we just didn't feel like we had really completed the story in that we talked about how we got here and all of the study and research that we did. Then we talked about what we eat on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but we never really dealt, dove into what do we see as the health benefits, at least for us. Like you said, it's we're not, we're not a, a huge uh, randomized double secret study, you know, whatever right. they call yeah. that stuff, blind taste test or, or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. Random double blind. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah. I mean, we can... We're not, not, we're not that, but we do... We can we talk about some, for some five years and yeah, we can talk about some facts and, and such if, if it comes up. But yeah. really, the, the, our goal in this episode is talk about what health benefits we see. Okay. Well, let's go. All right. You, let, mm, let's start with you. Okay. Because you are sort of the reason that we did this. Yeah. And you're, you suffer from, well, you don't really suffer. You have been diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Truth. Autoimmune disease. Yep. Lots of inflammation. Yeah. So what have you found? Well, (laughs) (laughs) so the the result of the inflammation that I had Mm -hmm. as, um, with Crohn's disease 
was that my terminal ileum, the last part of my small intestine, uh, got a whole lot of strictures in them, little closings, basically scar tissue formed. And instead of having a normal small intestine, mine mm-hmm. was really, really closed off. It was almost like having multiple rings inside my small intestine. And so at the very end of it, and what that was causing was on the upside of those strictures, I was getting, or I had ulcers. Mm-hmm. And so the, the inflammation was was causing all of that to happen. And then those ulcers were bleeding. And I so, think the doctor said pinhole ulcers. Yep. So they weren't some massive bleeding stomach ulcer, no. but there was blood loss nonetheless. Yep. And it was slowly, slowly leaking. Yep. And so it led to a, a state of fairly severe anemia, mm-hmm. uh, zero iron in my blood. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it it ended up being a, just a bad situation. Yep. So that, yep. that's where the inflammation led mm-hmm. um, for me. And it, it ended in a diagnosis of Crohn's, right. a, a surgery to remove the majority of the, the worst part of that um, terminal ileum. Right. So like that's, that led, the, the right. inflammation led to all of that. Okay. So how have you, how has it been? How's the inflammation within your body? Are there any other signs, symptoms to Crohn's that would lead you to believe that the diet that you're on is reducing the inflammation that is caused by Crohn's? Yeah, there were, there were definitely other non-related side effects, I think is what they were called. One of the most severe I experienced was lower back pain. Mm -hmm. And that's caused by basically an arthritis inflammation in the joints of my lower back. Right. And that does not happen now at Mm. at all. That was, that's probably the the biggest one, non, non, um, digestive related Crohn's Mm -hmm. symptoms that or symptom that I experienced that I don't anymore. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So you would say that eating a low carb, uh, just not eating the, the junk is contributing to less inflammation within your body. Yes, for sure. Okay. And there's quite a bit of scientific research. Uh, Again, we're not going to, Shelly really not doctors. <laughs> yeah. And she really warned me on this one. Yeah. She was like, we're, far. we're not going to go too deep. There's a lot of research that's out there. We right. can t- touch on high points. And, uh, but, but if you need, if you were like we were and just really, okay, I've got to have the information. There's a lot of, of research so that you can go find. A lot of experts have written a lot of books, done a lot of YouTubes, and you can go find that out. Yeah. on your own. So one of the things is there's a lot of research that shows that processed carbohydrates, seed oils, sugar, all of these things really cause inflammation. They enhance inflammation. The, yeah. the inflammation markers in your blood work go up. You just up. said seed oils. What, what seed oils are we talking about? Canola? Yeah. What is a canola? Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah. Um, Canola, yes. soy, corn, like all of your your seed oils, they're a a highly processed product that you're low fat. Or I'm sorry, not low fat. That's no. dumb. Your uh, 
your vegetable oils that we yeah. were told to use soybean oil that would be yeah. a seed oil those those types of oils that we were told to use for so long yeah they're highly inflammatory and um lots of research go go, go look, find it go find it yeah um highly inflammatory and one of the things that we found with the ketogenic diet is that we reduced those things out of our our diet our way of eating mm -hmm. the processed carbs are gone the sugar is gone the the oils that's hard oh wow yeah because they put soybean oil in literally everything yeah, it the, seems like the oil the oil is hard and that one like but hey i thought ketogenic was high fat yeah no well it, it is it is it is high fat but we in this research, we also found that the seed oils were inflammatory. And so if you're using this this ketogenic diet, this lifestyle, as a way to reduce inflammation, you don't want to add inflammation by using an oil that causes inflammation, right? Right. right. And so we found that there are oils that do not uh, cause inflammation, that are not inflammatory, and those are olive oil, coconut oil, uh, MCT oil, um, animal fats. Yeah, uh, all, yeah, and your <laughs> oh, your animal horror. fats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, animal fats. Yeah, tallow. Yep, lard. actual lard. Yeah, that comes Schmaltz. from a, that comes from a real animal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so your inflammation. Okay, so let's talk about me for just one second. Okay, inflammation. If I told you that. I suffered horribly for years with plantar fasciitis in my feet. Oh my goodness. And was active, a runner slash at the gym, all of the things, tried to do the healthy thing and would just be hobbled up with plantar fasciitis. Pain, the, if you've had it and you probably have, the pain is intense. Well, to the point you ended up having surgery. I also. did. I did have surgery at one point. And then the other feet later on in the years. But, so we were living in Maryland, and I had it pretty bad. And then we started eating like this. And I'll be darned if over time, it just went away. And I haven't had the first iota of that. Well, it's inflammation. Yeah. It's just inflammation in the fascia of your foot. Yep. Aggravated by constant use. Yep. Well, guess what? I stopped eating foods that cause inflammation in my body and my feet don't hurt anymore. And it sounds absolutely absurd, but whenever you're talking about, well, it's inflammation yeah, and inflammation causes pain across the board, then if you eliminate things that cause inflammation, it can make it better. And it really did. Yeah. One of our uh, customers, new friends, mm -hmm. was talking to us not about a ketogenic diet, but about how he has reduced the inflammatory foods from his right. diet. Right. Really, the processed carbohydrates and sugars mm -hmm. was about to go in for carpal tunnel surgery. Yeah. And noticed that things might be getting a little better, so he delayed the surgery. Right. When he went back to the doc to talk about it, they did the tests on his nerves and found that. He had improved markedly and to the point that the doctor said, let's definitely hold off on that surgery. So another anecdotal 
yeah, story sure. about changing diet, getting the inflammatory foods out of your diet. And next thing you know, you don't need to have a surgery. Yeah. That's, that is amazing. Yeah. So an anti-inflammatory health benefit. Yeah. And I, I think that one is like uh, with the ketogenic diet, especially they talk about weight loss and, and you talk about energy and there are a lot of things discussed. Yeah. And I think that the, the anti-inflammatory aspect of the diet really is almost a side effect because you cut out the sugar, you cut out the carbs, you cut out all of these things right. for health reasons and the, the inflammation goes down. Yeah. And so it, it becomes a, Huh, a good byproduct. Yeah, a, a of... good side effect or byproduct of this style of eating. Mm -hmm. And again, I would add in the and oh, by the way, take a look at the seed oils. Right. Look, well, because if you're doing that and you're not eating the seed oils, you've eliminated a lot of toxic stuff out of your diet. Yeah. You quickly. You mentioned how many things the seed oils so are hard. in. It is in. A every, lot of things. Every, like almost everything. You can't... One of the ones that really uh, almost upset me was you You see the mayonnaise. Yeah. Uh, and, and you <laughs> see the... Uh, well, it will just say olive oil, mayonnaise, or avocado oil, mayonnaise. Yes. And you flip it around and you look at the ingredient list. The number one ingredient, soybean oil. Yeah. It's like, well... Mm -hmm. Oh, it has olive oil in it. A little. Or it has avocado oil list. in it. Yeah. So just because on the front of the package, it says something like right. olive oil does not mean... Turn it around yeah, and look at the, the back. The seed oils aren't there. Yeah. Look at the back of it. Yeah. You've got to pay a lot of money in order to get pure olive oil mayonnaise. Or make it yourself. Or make it yourself. Yeah, because they're putting soybean oil in every in everything. Yeah, oh, yeah, and everything that would require oil. Yeah, it's soybean oil. Yeah, partially hydrogenated something. Something right oil. Yeah, yeah, definitely oil from the canola, maybe. So health benefit number one to <laughs> health benefit number one to uh, the this way of eating is. Uh, reduction in inflammation throughout the entire system. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about cholesterol heart health? So that is another, now we're one step further down the, mm -hmm. the trail on the inflammation. Okay. So as soon as you reduce the inflammation, yep. now all of a sudden cholesterol no longer has to be the bad guy. And we've talked about that in a previous podcast where I described mm -hmm. the fact that cholesterol is just a Band-Aid on our, on right. our arteries right. to he try to heal the, the inflammation. Yeah. And so similar to what was happening in my gut, mm. that happens in your arteries as well. All of the inflammatory foods, especially sugars, especially the processed carbohydrates, right. are causing inflammation in your arteries, mm -hmm. and that causes little micro tears in your arteries. Well, cholesterol comes in and patches it. Kind of like in my foot, it was micro tears in the yep. fascia of my foot. That's right. Micro tears in your arteries. Yeah. Micro tears in your gut. In your gut. The difference being in your arteries, cholesterol comes in and tries to fix yeah, it. And they're and then and they're not very big, and so they get clogged up. Yeah. And time. so with 
with the cholesterol fixing those little micro tears in your arteries, right. now all of a sudden cholesterol becomes the bad guy because your arteries are clogging. Right. When, in, I mean, in reality, yes, cholesterol is clogging it. Yes. By doing it its job. So if you're wanting to reduce the inflammation, though, yeah, that's the key by re- eliminating those foods from your diet. So one of the Harvard studies, they suggest that a low-carb diet decreases your triglycerides levels yeah, and can increase your HDL cholesterol, which is... Good cholesterol. And it may benefit heart health. Yep. Okay, that's coming out of Harvard. Well, that's the same guy that did the study that we've that's sort of railed on the other day. It, yeah. Well, right. It is the same guy. Yeah. So obviously, there's something to the low-carb yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. He really is and a proponent of it. And it's not just don't eat red meat. Right. Right whole nother podcast yeah sorry (laughs) on the meat thing yeah okay so that so well you just covered what i was going to ask a minute uh, ask next which is the well how the inflammation or the lack of the inflammation prevents the cholesterol buildup and yeah if you don't have the tears and the cholesterol is not needed we've talked about that before a little bit yeah and so w- what that allows is it allows you to have the cholesterol in your body mm-hmm. because cholesterol is beneficial. It's required. It's mm-hmm. necessary. Right. Um, there are studies out mental, now saying that the, there lots is of a... cognitive decline associated with a lack of cholesterol. Right. And wow, check out some of the studies that are recently published on statins. Just check them check out. Check them out. It's... It, it, the, the light is being shown yeah, on there is the some, damage that the statins are doing. There's some significant damage yeah. from sat, statins. Yeah. So in an effort to reduce cholesterol. Yeah. The neurological. The statins are really, really causing some severe and potentially impacts. Playing into the insulin and type 2 diabetes and... Alzheimer's, and, 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 and. The list is long. The statins are, how the statins are affecting people. Right. And it, let's take a step or two backwards. Yeah. This is all a result of inflammatory foods. Mm-hmm. Right. A result of highly processed carbohydrates and sugar, seed oils. Yeah. Yeah, With, without them, the cholesterol is fine, yes. and you don't need the statin. Right. Got it. Okay. So a benefit is to eating a low-carbohydrate, low-seed oil diet is less heart disease. We could go there, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think that's too far of a leap no. at all. No. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. Okay, so let's go... F- Further in, uh, blood sugar, insulin, metabolic disorders, in type 2 diabetes and prediabetes in this country is an epidemic. 
people are overweight, they can't lose the weight, they're struggling, they have diabetes, they don't want diabetes. They don't. I, I, nobody walked around and said, man, I hope I get diabetes when I'm 40. Of course. You know? Or 10. Or 10. That's even the worst problem. Yeah. Is the kids. Yep. The type 2 diabetes in the kids. Yep. So didn't, didn't used to happen, by the way. No, it didn't. No, no, did not happen. We all, we all know when we were in school, there was one overweight kid. You know, if you're a Gen Xer, you went to school. There was one overweight kid. The rest of everybody but didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. And now kids across the board suffer from it because yeah. of, of what they're offered. Yeah. Because of what they're offered. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, blood sugar and insulin sensitivity. Uh, benefit of eating a low carb ketogenic style of eating. How do we, how does that benefit? Well, for one, the, you don't get the blood sugar spikes that happen with sugars and carbohydrates. And so they found that the keeping your blood sugar level at a, uh, <laughs> not going up, way up and way down, just no, kind of keeping a, it level. It's a, fairly low and constant level. Right. I mean, it does fluctuate some. Of course. Because thinking about food can cause your blood right. sugar to increase, right? right. So like there's right. there's some um, it fluctuations, but not the spikes. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is when you spike... I'm going to go there. Okay. So our one of our daughters is pregnant, and she just got some medical advice. She mm -hmm. has has had some issues with metabolic disorder in mm -hmm. the past, especially associated with pregnancies. Mm -hmm. So she went to the doctor. The doctor says, here's what you have to do. And you're, it's your baby doctor. You your baby to. doctor. Here's what you have to do. Yeah. At least three meals a day mm -hmm. with at least two snacks in between. Uh -huh. And at least how many carbs? Uh, 40 carbohydrates per meal plus your snacks. It was almost 200 grams of carbohydrates a day minimum. Minimum. For a person who, who is trying to control and not tip the, tip the meter on gestational diabetes. Right. So that she doesn't have to get treatment. She's doing everything that she can to mitigate the the gestational diabetes and her insulin spikes, her glucose, all she's trying to do that on her own through diet. And the recommendation slash requirement is this is how you need to eat in and order so, to maintain. Right. Your so the medical establishment standard medical practice is spike your glucose level early in the morning with your first meal mm -hmm. with at least 40 carbs. Mm -hmm. Keep it spiked with a snack. Mm -hmm. As soon as it starts to come down from the snack, it spike it again with lunch. As soon as it comes down a little bit, spike it again with an afternoon snack. Okay. As soon as it, right? And so the idea is take your blood sugar up and keep it up throughout the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the way that that is standard practice for controlling your blood sugar is to just get it up, keep get it up and keep it up. That way you don't have spikes and crashes. Mm -hmm. I got an idea. Don't spike it in the first place. Right. Yeah. 
So on on backside of that, Rebecca, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, suffered from head injury and has dealt with a myriad of things through diet and whatnot. And she talked about her a little bit about her journey and her health journey. And she has turned her life around. And one of the things she's done is through what she eats. And she does eat a low carb, ketogenic style life, whole food yeah. diet. So she had blood work done last week and a fasting blood work. And they were very concerned that probably she was going to be bottomed out on her glucose. Things weren't, t- maybe her liver wasn't working properly. Not sure. Different, whatever. Not sure what was going on there. But she brought her blood work in, walked in, threw it on the counter. was like, well, I'm healthy as a horse. That's great. Well, what was your glucose level? Because that was a fasting glucose. It should have been, you don't eat any carbs per se in, in no Processed foods, certainly, and no sugar. Hasn't for over a year. What was your glucose? Oh, it was high. It was 105. You 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 were fasting? Yes, I was fasting. My liver was doing all of that for me. Yep. It was interesting that the, her doctor's comment was, oh, yeah, well, your body will make the glucose it needs. Yes. Okay. Another thing, another point, <laughs> another, yeah, it will. Thank you. It sure will. Another point was her A1C, which is in all the commercials right now, her A1C used to be over six. It is now 5.3, which is not even pre-diabetic. So she moved the needle almost 1% because it's a percentage thing is what that number is. She moved it through diet only, no metformin, no insulin, no medicine, no Ozempic, no None of these new drugs, just through food, she dropped her number all the way into the healthy range through diet. And what did her healthcare provider say to her? I've never seen anybody do it through diet only. What? Like people used to didn't have type 2 diabetes. Yeah. What do you mean? Never seen anybody do it through diet. It didn't used to be a thing. It's a thing now because of diet. Yeah. But if, uh, again, standard American diet has been the accepted practice since at least 77 when the food pyramid came out. So, like, we're bordering on 50 years almost of this standard American diet as the way. Right. And so now, if that... So... it, it's crazy. What are your assumptions, right? We talk about that a lot when you're doing military planning. You have to have assumptions, and, right. and those assumptions then allow you to plan. Mm-hmm. So what are, your, what are the medical doctor's assumptions going into the discussion? Yeah. The assumption is standard American diet. Okay. If that is the assumption for medical care, then you have to have A1C-lowering drugs, cholesterol-lowering drugs. Like, you have to have all of these drugs based on that assumption. Mm. How about you change your assumption? Mm-hmm. That'd be good. It's a good start. Let's let's get rid of the standard American diet. Right. Let's let's erase that as an assumption. Mm-hmm. Now, let's assume a normal human diet. Let's don't even call it ketogenic. Let's just assume a normal human diet. We've heard it talked about yesterday a yeah. a one ingredient diet. 
Right. Each food that you eat, one ingredient. One ingredient. Do you know that it, when you walk, <laughs> has anyone ever noticed the fact that when you buy a one ingredient item, there is no ingredient list or calorie requirement? There, There is not a food. There's not there, a nutrient label. There's not a, not a nutrient label on broccoli, on steak, on not required. burger, on potatoes, no nutrient requirements. Right. So interesting. It, so even I mean, even if you if you don't accept ketogenic, okay, as sure, the, as the diet. Let's just say proper human diet. Let's go back to proper human diet, normal human diet, right. historical human diet. Call it whatever you want. Right. Let's go. Let's let's reverse back to before the standard American diet. Right. Like from, let's start that medical discussion there. Mm-hmm. And then all of the medicines that are handed out in order to deal with all of the issues can can go away, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would go away. There are people who wouldn't be happy with that. Yeah, big pharma, right? The four big food companies. Uh-huh. Nestle would be really upset. I think you were telling me something the other day that the it's. It's it's all the same ingredients. It's just about proportions. Yeah. On the on the processed foods, and so you've got you've got corn, you've got your wheat, you've got sugar, you've got soy powders, and this and that and the other, and things you can't pronounce. And if you take those and you mostly have sugar and flour and put it all together, you can make like a cupcake. But if you also take them and put them in another form, you can make dog food. dog kibble no it's true i know i just went extreme there but dog kibble what is it it's the same types of ingredients as what you would put in a corn chip yeah it's the same kind of stuff it's just a matter of the proportions and the quality of the ingredients obviously matter but the point is the it's just taking the few ingredients and putting them together in a different manner yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Same four people. Same yeah. four, the sa- same basic ingredients on every single thing. Yeah. Check your check your ingredient list. Yeah. Partially hydrogenated soybean oil, high fructose corn syrup, some type of bleached wheat flour. Binders. <laughs> like, look for those ingredients. They're going to be somewhere in the, in the list of your processed food. Yeah. Whatever it is. Okay, so... Let's move on with the health benefits of not eating those things. Yeah, right, sir. <laughs> because <laughs> those things are, they're toxic. They're just toxic to our systems. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of, uh, so we keep our blood sugar very, at, at, a, at an even keel. A lot of people will wear the continuous blood, blood glucose, glucose monitors on their arms now and they can just whoop on their phones and see what it is and the idea is to keep that line straight and keep your energy level at a just a baseline yeah constant. so i think i took us off off you did track okay. a little bit we were ta- trying to talk about insulin sensitivity yes. mm-hmm. and so what the ketogenic diet allows because your blood sugar levels stay low it allows your body's response to blood sugars to work appropriately appropriately right so when 
the sugar enters your blood, your glucose level goes up, your body secretes insulin mm-hmm. in order to bind to the sugars and do all of the things like yeah. in a, a normal manner. That's right. just like normal. Yep. So what happens is as your, as your glucose levels spike, your insulin spikes. And then as your glucose levels stay up, your insulin, insulin levels have to stay up. Mm-hmm. And just like what happens with drug addiction or a lot of the other things, your your body starts to become numb to it. Mm-hmm. And so your insulin doesn't work like it should. Mm-hmm. It And so at, with a ketogenic lifestyle, the blood sugars stay low. Mm-hmm. It allows your body to sense that and your insulin works appropriately. Right. And so it it is a way of um, controlling how your body reacts to uh, sugars to the glucose. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that places like check out Verda Health, um, one of the things that they are showing is like they're even talking about reversal of type 2 diabetes in 24 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it, it like a lot of the things that you read from a standard perspective or a common perspective right. say once you're diagnosed with diabetes that's it you have it for the rest of your life all you can do is treat it and what verda health is finding is that by changing diet mm-hmm. you can actually reverse it quickly quickly so if you are type 2 diabetic and you think that you want to change your life through diet please please Check with your doctor first because, well, well, what ends at, up happening? At the very least, make sure you're monitoring your blood sugar because if you're on medications to lower your blood sugar, you're going to get into a world of hurt if you stop eating the way you normally do. You are going to become hypoglycemic because that medication is going to take you too low, right? Way too low. So, you, whenever Verta Health is doing this and working with people, they start adjusting their meds immediately. Well, they, yeah, they have to be monitoring it when right. they start right. it out because your body reacts so quickly right. to the a change. Like when you go to the, what would be considered a very low carbohydrate diet, yeah. Yeah. your body reacts almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you are on a, a, a glucose lowering medication, mm-hmm. you have got to be really, or really insulin. careful. Anything that's anything that's altering your blood sugars and your insulin production, yeah. please, yeah. please, because your body reacts so quickly. This yeah. is not one that you can just no. try it out. No, you can get a a significant, yeah, you can get significantly hurt low, quick. right, uh, blood sugars. Right, highly recommend it because you can come off those meds almost immediately, but do it under supervision. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh. So, and we found that our blood sugar stays very normal, very out of even keel. Yeah. I can tell it because I used to be addicted to carbohydrates. And so if I didn't have them, I would just like, hmm. Yeah. Like I would get the shakes and be like, man, I got to eat. Well, that leads Um, to our our next point, appetite control. Oh, right. Appetite control. That is another added health benefit because you can control yourself and what you put down your throat. And when and how long you can go in between them. Yep. To the point, yeah, we talked about that last week. Not not needing, not necessarily feeling like you need to eat. Yeah. But that that is the direct result of the 
the glucose spikes and crashes. Right. So you spike it. Oh, I feel good. Oh, man. And then, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes later, it starts to crash. Kaboom. And it's the, oh, I'm, I'm so tired. I got it. Right. I, oh, I just need some energy. Right. And so you eat your next snack right. and you spike it. And that, mm-hmm. that really the it, appetite control, not just in the, I, I don't want to eat really, which is what we talked about last week yeah. is that, you know, okay. But that, that I have to eat because I'm just crashing. Right. And they found that across the board, people, yeah. whenever they stop eating the standard American diet and switch over to this way of eating pretty much across the board. People uh, talk about their appetite is very, very different. Yeah. And weight management. Uh, (laughs) Yes, you're going to lose weight. Right. And so we've talked about it a few times that for us, it's not a, a diet in that we're trying to lose weight. It's a lifestyle. That said, a ketogenic way of eating is also a diet. People do use it to lose weight. Yes. One of the things that will happen is you will lose weight. You will lose weight. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it will stay off. You will you will hit your body's homeostasis. You will even out, provided you eat enough calories, and you're going to. Well, and this is one of the, the things that happens with any diet is if you are using it as a way to lose weight mm-hmm. and then you stop the ketogenic diet and start eating a standard American diet again, you will gain the weight back. Mm-hmm. It's not a lose weight and keep it off while not eating this way. Right. Right. Yeah. If it, you go, if you go back to the standard American diet, you're going to go back to your standard American weight. Yeah. Oof. That was good. Mm. Okay, so another health benefit is appetite control, weight maintenance. Yeah, assuming, again, that you're not eating the standard American diet, right? right. Like, Because a, a lot of people talk about, and you, and you hear them talk about, well, I used the ketogenic diet to lose weight, and now I've added back, and yeah. I'm starting to eat again, and... Wow, I really missed. So I have my cupcakes. You know, like and that's the hard part it, about the food and and end of the world and the 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 junk foods are out there. The highly processed foods are out there, highly and readily available. And it's when you're the really really busy people, to include ourselves, to find food that is convenient, it's typically going to be processed, and you you you. You grab they people gravitate back to it, you know. Yeah. They don't make the switch. We made the switch. We decide. We tried it. It worked, and we just haven't gone back because honestly, it's just too e- it's too easy. Our health is so much better, and it's easy. Yeah, it became the in in one way. Mm-hmm. It became eat some broccoli and a steak. Yeah, and you don't have to think about it anymore. You are no longer a slave. And we talk about freedom here. You're no longer a slave to your food. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 
And there are services. I, y'all, I'm just finding these things out, y'all, because we live out in the country now. So I'm <laughs> not up on all of the different deliver this and deliver that. <laughs> Miss Krista, that is going to have not, no left or, or over chocolate. That <laughs> Krista. She texted me and she said she was asking just about my thoughts on, on things. And she mentioned a couple of different companies and they will deliver all ready to heat or ready to eat, heat and eat foods, fresh, never fresh, frozen, never frozen meals to your door. Yeah. And so you can get, and I went on there and I was looking around and you can get whatever nutritional sort of profile that you're after. If you want it to be high protein, keto, vegan, Whatever your dietary thing is, or if you just want to make it easier on you in the kitchen, uh, you can pick these things, pick whatever it is that you're after, and they will, a chef prepared kind of food to your door. And it was very reasonable prices, like $11 a meal. You can't get a number eight at any fast food joint for $11 much anymore. And so to think that, man, I'm looking at this going, so you can get real food. With one ingredient type foods, yeah. delivered, cooked, ready to just heat it up and eat it to your door. Like there's no excuses anymore then, yeah, busy true. people. Yeah. Well, I'm just so busy. I need convenience foods. It's out there. And if you're working that much, you're probably going to afford it. So if you can afford it and it's available to you, dude, find you a ready to heat and eat meal. Yeah, was, it's, it's not any more expensive than the fast food that you get because you're busy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So huge. Yeah. It's huge. I'm like, great. This is amazing. I don't need the service. Couldn't get it if I wanted it out yeah. here down dirt roads. But I think it's awesome for people who like them, yeah. very busy, want to take a good lunch to work, and now it's available. Yeah, sure. You'd be on it. Oh, yeah. If, yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I, would. I okay. think so too. So that is helpful yeah very helpful yeah um another thing that we noticed and i'm going to bring daughter number two into this uh was is the benefit a benefit health benefit because it's our brains is our the mental clarity and our energy levels and the law the ability to really not get brain tired by the end of the day. Yeah. Because brain fatigue, thought fatigue is a real thing because our brain uses so much energy. It, well, I think it uses more energy than any other organ in our body. And that's why you can be, get done with work and be just exhausted and having sat there all day. And you just need a nap because you're tired. Your brain has just been doing so much. But eating this way, the mental clarity, that we talked about, I think two weeks ago is it is, it's profound. It is. It really is profound. You don't have to get old timers. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what we call it jokingly. But when you start hitting middle age, you're supposed to get more and more forgetful and you don't have to maybe. And you being a former fighter pilot, and having Hannah is one. Yeah. And what'd you tell her about the 
eating this way. Oh, I just said, I can't imagine. I, I so wish that I had known about a ketogenic diet or lifestyle while I was still flying fighters. Yeah. Just because your your mental clarity and acuity, the you have to be so high all the time that it was a, a constant drive to how do I how do I get to that peak performance and the the difference is significant for for me at least mm-hmm. the, it, I I noticed a significant change mm. in mental acuity and clarity on this right in this lifestyle so I was just like man I so wish that I could have performed in the jet at this like you were mental good acuity. at what you did, but to take it to that next level with that mental acuity, yeah, it would be would it would be been, really cool. Yeah, and so the, the reason being is your your body has a constant supply of ketones, mm. so the your body converts fat into ketones. Your liver does converts fat into ketones, mm-hmm. and then it just provides a really constant, really good fuel source across your body to include your brain, mm-hmm. and it just is a a steady, constant, not this glucose spike, dip, spike, dip, spike, dip. It's a ketone, a constant ketone burn. And it really does improve mental acuity. And they've done studies and they're finding that the highly processed foods are may, may have some link to certainly not helping uh, Alzheimer's. Correct. And dementia. Yep. And there are also studies that show that a ketogenic diet might actually help Alzheimer's and dementia. And that'd be worth it right there for me. Cause uh, that is just not a fate anybody wants. So anyone. I, and one of like one of the things that they're talking about is the ketones and how Mm -hmm. they might help. But I'll take it back to statins are being shown to really be harmful. Mm. The lack of cholesterol is harmful. Mm -hmm. So you take the lack of cholesterol being harmful, and then the statin that you used to get that lack of cholesterol, it in and of itself is now being found to be harmful. Like we are just piling one thing on top of the other and then saying, we don't understand there's an Alzheimer's epidemic. Right. Which some doctors and researchers in this particular space call Alzheimer's type three diabetes. Yeah. Yep. They're showing it. They're showing it's that the cl- linkages. It's that it, it's yeah. It's yeah. The, the, the link is there. Yeah. Sure is. Stable energy levels. We go, go, go. Uh, we have, I have definitely found that our, my energy level, yes, I get tired, but I don't get tired like I used to. Don't really right. crash. Yep. Correct. Absolutely. Um, speaking of stable energy levels, you were just telling me about an ultra marathon type athlete. Yeah. Um, his energy levels are pretty high. Yeah, well, let's go there. We'll just skip down to performance benefits, and then we can pick back up on oh, our okay. little outline. So okay. one of the things is endurance mm-hmm. as a, a performance benefit, and you can see that really well in your 
your ultra athletes. So this gentleman is named Zach Bitter, B-I-T-T-E-R, and he's an uh, ultra marathoner, ultra runner, whatever you want to call it, like the hundred mile races. And he has broken so many hundred mile uh, records. So in 2019, he broke the hundred mile and 12 hour world record on a track. He ran a hundred miles in 11 hours, 19 minutes. That was a six minute, 48 second pace for mile for 100 miles. Do you know what he did when he completed the 100 miles? I don't know. He kept running so that he could break the 12 hour record. Okay, and so he he so ran that in he's eleven. He's a superhuman. Yeah, he uh, ran it in eleven runner. hours nineteen minutes. Mm-hmm. He kept running for twelve hours, so he completed one hundred four point eight miles in twelve hours. And people do that. That's yay for them because we we are not. Yeah, those point people. being, so Zach but, Zach really talks about his very low carb diet. He's on a ketogenic uh, diet, which is uh, goes against everything that most people who are long distance endurance runners would would do. Right. He, they and fuel they, always. they talk about right, a, the standard way of approaching it is you carb load prior to a race and then you carb throughout the race right. in order to maintain your energy levels. Right. And one of the things I was just reading about him was even during some of his other races or there was a different race, but he averaged about 150 calories per hour is what he was consuming during the race. He has a a ketogenic supplement that he uses during the race. And so where other people are pounding sugar gels and and different things so that they get the glucose that they need in order to keep moving, moving, right? Mm -hmm. Your muscles have to have that glucose. Mm -hmm. Well, Zach... He's using ketones, and his body is producing the glucose that he needs. And so he's just a, he, like, again, an extreme way, way, extreme way extreme, but it's a way of showing that even in an extreme setting, you endurance does, you can maintain endurance on a ketogenic diet. Hmm. And we find that certainly not as extreme, no. but in our daily farming mm-hmm. there's a lot of physical activity yeah. in farming yeah. and um we're able to endure you know we yeah, don't we keep going well we, but i mean we don't have a candy bar with us so that we can keep working uh, oh no no granola bars no you know we're, we're not bars. energy supplements so that we can stay right. stay going yeah. we just the endurance is there yeah. um yeah, sorry. So I kind of skipped. I apologize I about that. But um, so energy levels, physical endurance, um, digestive health is another one, and that's a big one for you. Yeah. Not so, not so much me, I guess. But you like, like digestive di- health, I would think. I do like digestive health. <laughs> I don't. I just, don't, I just don't have any digestive issues. I don't really think. Um, yeah, but, but like the, one of the th- things that they talk about is just overall improved gut health. Oh, okay, probably. So a lot of the things, yeah. the again highly processed carbohydrates, sugars, you can it can lead to leaky gut. They talk about yeah. it, and and that, when you if you get leaky gut, that's that's just bad. Yeah, and so what what that means is some of the nutrients and and sugars and things that are supposed to be staying in your gut, 
starts leaching, leaking out, yeah. and is going directly into your bloodstream in a manner that it's not supposed to get there. Right. Right. It just means that your intestines, probably the same way that mine started bleeding, mm -hmm. they, the, in that same manner, it starts your your wall, intestinal linings and walls start to open and things start leaking out of your intestines that aren't supposed to leak out of your intestines. It's getting into your blood in a manner that it's not supposed to get into your blood. And eating this style helps to heal that and helps to reduce that. And studies impact. do show that um, reduced carbohydrate intake can lead to changes in your microbiome yep. and reduce symptoms of irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. And That'd be it, worth it to make yeah, right. irritable bowel. <laughs> no, people suffer from that. It's really, it's really, it can be debilitating. So it's another one of those things. You go into it from a medical perspective with the assumption that you eat a, a, a standard American diet mm -hmm. and irritable bowel syndrome equals medicine. Right. Check out all of the commercials on the TV about, you know, this treats IBS. Let's go at it from a different assumption. Let's right. get rid of the standard American diet as the assumption going into the medical discussion. And then see what see what's required after that. Mm. That's Yeah. So those those are the benefits that not that aren't just studies, but that we have personally experienced through ditching Highly processed foods, highly processed carbohydrates. We do get some carbs through our vegetables and by ditching sugar and seed oils. Yeah. We have found quite a number of those health benefits to be 100% true. Yep. For, and, and, for our five-year personal studies. Yeah, and it's a, you know, take our word for it is cool. Like, this yeah. is what happened to us. This is our experience. Yeah. Or check out the research. Right. Do research on every one of the points that we brought up. Yeah. And uh, every Please. one of them have research associated with them. So yes, it is our personal experience. Yes. But there's also research. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There is research and there are studies to back it up. Yeah. Um, so there we go. We've talked quite a while now about what we find as health benefits. One thing I would say is if you're still listening to this, if you're hang, if you're hang, if you have hung on with us to this point, and please give us a already. thumbs up. <laughs> Go, take a moment, pause, give a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube and hit the subscribe button. Yes, please. And if you really like it, share it on your social media. Farm update. Farm update. What you got? Yeah. We're still transitioning into winter ops. So Yeah, we thought we were kind of really swinging over onto winter ops, and then it kind of warmed up on us, and we, we got everybody sort of settled and went, oh, okay, it's 70s. Yeah. so the, But it's coming again. The cows are out making probably what is their, going to be their last pass yep. uh, across the 2023 grazing season. Mm -hmm. um, they're spread out in one of our long pastures, really enjoying the 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 open space and mm -hmm. munching away at the last of the the green grass they're probably going to get for a while so we hope to hope 
to keep them grazing until December, so maybe a couple of more weeks. Man, yeah. it'd be great to graze them until January, but the we didn't get the rain that we needed in the fall time period to grow our cooler season grasses. So we had some great warm season grasses, mm -hmm. and so we had some amazing grazing that happened this year. The mm -hmm. cows really put on great condition. The yeah. calves grew. The steers that we processed, uh, you know, it did it did well for yeah, everybody. It did. It just we didn't get the cool season fall grasses that we were hoping for. Not so as much. Yeah. our our grazing season on our farm is uh, winding down. Yeah. And we'll we'll be finding winter paddocks for everyone and and start the start the daily of feeding hay. Yes, we will. The meat, last batch of meat birds they're they're growing. Man, they it's it's like they hit this point. I don't know what week it is, but they hit this point and it's like oh, they look like chickens. Two days ago, I wasn't sure if they were going to make it make weight yeah. to to process them in ten weeks, and then all of a sudden. They just kind of start. Yeah, the breed we like raise is and... from Murray McMurray Hatchery called Murray's Big Red Broilers. Mm -hmm. And for them, the processing age is at about 10 weeks. Yeah. And their growth spurt seems mm -hmm. to happen at about six weeks. So it's like a, we've only got a month left with these guys. I'm not sure they're going to grow. Yeah. And then like two days later, you go, oh, oh, there, there it is. We should process them <laughs> soon. Yeah. yeah. And, this is kind of late in the this style of farming in this region. We're kind of late on growing this last set of birds out. And I don't think we'll grow them this late again next year because we're not processing them until the first part of December. And I think next year my goal would be maybe first of November yeah. and be able to take a longer break yeah. because We'll be ordering next year's birds here soon, and they'll be arriving in March. And that's just not a very long sort of winter farming break. Yeah. And I would like a little bit longer. Yep. So maybe next year, I think we're going to just kind of squish it in just a little bit mm -hmm. on the yeah. dates. Yeah, sure. But they're growing, and they're, they're getting ready. The new layers are looking really good. They are going to be good little chickens. Yeah. They really are. The yeah. new... The new group. Yeah, they'll we'll have a bunch should, of eggs. They should start laying somewhere about the time we, winter's Farmers coming market. to a close. Yeah, they'll, they should start really laying in March. We'll, well hopefully we the, have hopefully we have more eggs for the farmers market. Oh yeah, that, that's the yeah. Goal. This this group of fifty should be laying an egg a day, so we should be getting somewhere near four dozen eggs a day just off of our new group. And our older group Somebody should still be producing a couple dozen yeah. a day. So be good. we should be five to six dozen a day come springtime. Okay. <laughs> looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you... Then everybody else is kind of doing pretty much their normal thing. Yeah, uh, do you have a well. did you know? I do. And so we'll, we'll use this did you know to lead into just a discussion. Okay. So... Um, we, we mentioned the other day that there's a just a, a what seems to be common understanding now of it takes 10,000 hours to be an expert at something. Yeah, they say that. And so yeah. I, I did a little research into where does it come from? Why do they say mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. So um, it comes, it, it's popular 
because of a book by Malcolm Gladwell. His book, Outliers, The Story of Success, published in 2008, is where uh, is what popularized it. Mm-hmm. And he used a study by a psychologist, K. Anders Erickson, is the one that actually conducted the research on the amount of practice it took to become a top performer in your field. Mm. And he used violinists at a music academy. And what his research found was that there was a correlation between the number of hours practiced and the level of skill attained. Shocking. Which I know is not shocking. (laughs) (laughs) If you practice more, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be amazing. (laughs) No, if you practice more, there there was a correlation between the number of hours practiced and the level of skill attained. What he found was that the best violinists had practiced for around 10,000 hours by the time they were 20. It's a lot. And so um, that's really where the 10,000 hours came from. Mm. One of the things that he highlighted, though, or emphasized was not just any practice will do. So he's a little um, further. He wrote another book where he talked about my study's been taken out of context a little bit. And so he, he clarified or, or further emphasized that not just any practice will do. It has to be what he calls deliberate practice, okay. which is structured, a purposeful attempt to improve performance with clear goals and immediate feedback. Uh, I'm thinking about us with the farming there is definitely immediate feedback on a farm, yes, and there is. deliberate practice requires focused attention and is conducted with the specific goal of improving performance. Okay. So there's where your 10,000 hours to become an expert comes from. from. Okay. Well, we've, we've been doing this farming thing for... I guess, I mean, we work a lot of hours. Yeah, if you if you consider that we've had animals for over two years now, we're pushing 26 months, I think, since we got the first, uh, well, since the sheep joined the farm. We're at 27 months since we got our first poultry. At 24 months, 12 hours a day, which is, not an exaggeration for our average workday no. with, I don't know, zero time off. Yeah. Um, we're looking at over 8,000 hours, close to 9,000 hours. Yeah. Now, um, if you look at 27 months, we're over 9,000 hours of farming. Now, we are not deliberate and specific into, like, we haven't done... if who Well... Specific. Specific animal groups, you know, when I'm not, I don't a, know, but we would, uh, but managing we, animals, I mean, that's a lot of hours just managing in them and keeping them alive and keeping them moving. And, and we, but we do have goals. And we do. how do you get a chicken to a process weight at 10 weeks? How do you get a pig to process weight at six months? Mm-hmm. And we talk about, and especially in the blog, I'll highlight every time we process pigs. Here was their live weight. Here was their hanging weight. Here was their freezer rate weight. What right. were our conversion rates? Like we have True. goals and we and 
we try to reach those goals and in in, mm-hmm. in okay. one area it's not you know i ran 5 miles so now my you know time per mile is better but it's a i have a goal for the pigs and while i don't control it completely it's it's still a goal that we're working towards right, right. and so i i do think that we do have goals and um we want the business to be profitable and how much are we putting into the business out of our own personal accounts? How much are we, is the business bringing in? What are our expenses? I mean, you know, like, so there are, there are definitely goals there. And I think, so I, I think that I, I would, I would say that in the quest for 10,000 hours to be an expert, we are approaching that, you know, we're not, we didn't set out to say at two years, X months, we will reach 10,000 hours and we will be considered an expert. No. The, the reason that it is coming up at all is we've found a, a bit of a shift in our mentality yeah. with the farm. And it was a, a creep. We talked about mission creep a few, a few weeks ago. Yeah. This one was a mental creep for us. Yeah. And it has happened over the past few oh, weeks. Yeah, I would, I would say, say mm-hmm. that there has just been a general feeling of dis-ease. Not disease, but dis-ease. We were we are not at ease. Um things have become annoying. Annoying. Frustrating. Frustrating. And so real aggravating. Um We've been talking about, are we burned out? And I think the answer is no. No. We're not really burned out. And so we've been doing some introspection, some self-reflection to try to figure out where is our lack of joy, our just a, a feeling of unease. Where is that coming from? Right. And... um it, M- Michaela even brought it up. Michaela's eleven, y'all, <laughs> and but she's real in tune with. Yeah, she she was empath. just asking how how are you doing? You know how's your how's your mental how's health? Your, we're riding in the jeep today. How's your mental health? Huh? You just asked me about my mental health. <laughs> yes, she did. Yeah, and so and which I, which I appreciate because it makes you think. Yeah, she's sensing that something Something's might off. not be quite right with mom and dad. Right. And then she mentioned, you know, dad's energy has a, an impact on everybody else around. Mm-hmm. And um, so that'll that'll cause... Very large energy space he has. And so when he is not... When things aren't quite right, everyone tends to sort of be brought into that energy space. It'll really cause you to step back and think what's going on about what's going on. And, and here's, here's where I think we are. Okay. I think that as we're approaching, I, I won't even call us experts. I don't know that we're experts, I, but we're and, a, I, approaching a, a time, a space on the farm mm-hmm. where it feels like we understand things better than we did. So we started this farm business, both farm and business, with zero experience. Zero experience? 
zero, zero. We didn't go to school for it. We did a lot of our own training. We did a lot of our own learning, but we had zero experience coming into it. And when that's your state, when that's your level, then everything that you do is sort of a, a grasp at doing something right. Right. And then as a result, something happens and you don't know what that's going to be. You hope for a result and maybe you get it and maybe you don't, but it's all a surprise. Yeah. And then it rains and this type of grass grows, but so does this wheat. Like there's always, everything mm-hmm. is a pop-up. Everything is a surprise. Yeah. Everything is is a reaction where you're constantly reacting. And so for a couple of years, it was a an action-reaction life, right. you right. know, and yeah. it, it really was. Yeah. And at about the two-year point, so a couple of months ago, yeah. it, I think we really started getting in the swing of things, um, starting to really understand maybe what action, what was going to happen because of an action. Right. If I do this, that's going to happen. And another way of saying that is we started to have expectations. Mm. So I do this, I expect this to happen. Mm. I feed the pigs this amount of food, I expect that this is going to happen. It it rains, I expect that the grass is going to grow. Right. Right. So there's a a level of expectation. And Mm. with expectation, the next step is control. Okay. Not only do I expect it, I would think that if I do this, then this is going to be the outcome. Mm. So I am controlling the situation by what I do, by my input. And so um, it probably sounds silly to the folks that are, are watching or listening, but with, you know, all the way down to, well, I'm feeding the dairy cows this amount at this rate and this level, I am controlling the amount of milk that they produce. I am probably even able to control whether or not they poop while I'm milking them. Yeah, that gets to neurotic whenever you're absolute whenever we think that and have an expectation that because XYZ input or timing or whatever or just the fact that it freakishly hasn't happened for the last couple of months and all of a sudden happy decides to start pooping every single time we milk her the past like what week yeah. like what is this new thing yeah and it's frustrating because it isn't that we mind the poop it's not the poop the poop is fine i think poop is great especially when it comes out of cow it's fine it's great we're gonna use it somewhere yep i didn't want to deal with that right now right i didn't fit cleaning that up into my day because i didn't expect for it to happen I can't control it. I can't control it. And so that's that's one example of the things that um, we can't control on the farm. And when you have hundreds of animals, there is no way to control We have this. a chicken, y'all. <laughs> we have a chicken. And we cannot keep that chicken in. 
we have clipped both of its wings. We clipped one, only clipped one, so it's off kilter, can't fly. Not true. Clip the other one, still gets out. That chicken lives out now. I'm like, stop chasing that chicken. You cannot control that chicken. You can do one of two things. These are your choices. You can either stop chasing the chicken and just let it be wild. It's fine. It lays its eggs over there somewhere. Or you can kill it. Those are the options because we're not chasing that chicken anymore. And that, but that's, we, we, we have a sheep. And if, if they start running out, that sheep's going to get out every single time. And we know which one it is. And so we have animals in our lives that we cannot control. And when we were early on, though, if you remember, we were studying and learning from different people on how to farm like this. And one of the main things was maintain control. Yeah. You've got to have control. Yeah. And they're talking physical control. I know they're talking like, physical control. Yeah. And some of it is physical control, like your netting or the sheep getting out or whatever. Yeah. And that's a form of physical control, but it kind of boils over. I yeah. put the fence up there, therefore I expect the thing to stay in. Right. So you get back to your expectations. Yeah. And your expectation management. Yeah. So I, I think where we are, or at least where I am with the farm right now, is I have really got to change the way I'm thinking about things. Mm. And um not saying that constant reaction is the best way to be. I think that there's a, a place for understanding what what um, inputs will lead to what outputs regularly. Mm -hmm. um, but the idea that you can take that next step into complete control, I think, is important for me to sit down and have some thoughts about and, you know, back back off of the the attempt even to control when the cow poops. Yeah. And because whenever we get wrapped up in the control, because the expectations aren't met, because we know the unmet expectations just leads to disappointment. Yeah. And so we walk around in disappointment and that and is not frustration and frustration. And as pointed out by the 11 year old this morning, that's not why y'all are doing this. Yeah. You're doing this to be happy. You're doing this to ha find joy. You're doing this to live free. And, you know, I told her, I'm like, look, the only reason we're weirding out about all this stuff is because we can. Yeah. Because we have an amazing life. Yeah. We have amazing kids. We have our health. We have all our parents. We have, it's amazing. Back off. It's amazing. It's so amazing that we have time in our lives to worry about the nitnoy crap. Literal. Literal. Nitnoid crap. And instead of backing off and saying, look, it is amazing. And what I need to do is just not worry about that. Yeah. Let it go. Enjoy the animals for what they are. And even the blue coon hounds, the ones that are in the background, y'all can probably hear them. Hmm. Even those guys. Okay. Yeah. And so her, to her point, we need to, she didn't say it, but let it go. Yeah. In a lot of ways, continue to want things to be really good, really, really good as far as production is concerned. Yeah. Have high standards, have goals, have that thing to meet. 
But when it doesn't, when the animal doesn't do the thing or it doesn't perform, not to internalize it on ourselves. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. We didn't fail because the pigs weren't big enough, or we didn't fail because we didn't get back in the house within an hour or whatever. There's no failure on our part at the end of the day. They are animals, and some things are just completely out of our control. Yep. And I think that goes to that, that just, that's across life, mm-hmm. whether it's your job or whether it's your family or your children or your animals in your house. It, it's across the board. We can't control everything and the things that we can't control. If we put expectations on them that can't be met, it's going to lead to disappointment. Yep. And we're going to get our act together. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to change your energy space. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. I'll change that came space. recommended. <laughs> That's not quite how she put it, but it was kind of close. Either either change what you're doing or change what you're doing. Right? So, yeah. Well, that's a good did you know as we reach 10,000 hours. Yeah. And we will keep learning and we'll keep setting goals and we will keep doing doing what we love to do. Yeah. And hanging out with each other. Yeah, exactly. So. With a with a better attitude. With a better attitude. At least we'll try. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was that, are we good for today? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you guys again. I'm going to say it again. Thanks for listening and watching. If you are still watching and you have not subscribed, please do. Um, a lot of people who do watch have not subscribed. And uh, the subscriptions, it, it gets it thrown into other people's feeds, the, the more subscribers that we have. Yep. And if you like, if you're watching it and please give us that thumbs up because that also signals uh, for it to go into other people's feeds. So um, thank you again. 